Bernard, welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I am your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode number 77, and I got a good one this episode. I have a special guest, the executive editor of the Record newspaper, of course, one of the biggest sports dailies in Portugal, the Record, and his name is David Novu. He is a very good journalist. He's been involved with, he was just at Euro 2020. He was at Euro 2016. He was at the last World Cup. He writes a lot of articles for the record, particularly the most recent articles regarding Nunu Manj. Um, he also does uh, some TV work with Order the Record on CMTV. And he also does some work at times for the Revista Sabadu Saturday magazine, which whenever I'm in my local Portuguese neighborhood, I uh, try to uh, pick up a copy. It's not just a magazine about sports. It's about all things Portuguese. And I love the uh, photography in the uh, magazine. So he is somebody that's in the middle of the information. Um, I actually interviewed him. He was at the... Uh, in the record, the, he was in the newsroom, and it was just great to. Uh, it was first of all, it was just great to be interviewing him and and hearing the noise in the background at times, and and knowing that I'm talking to someone on the inside. And you know, I'm going to keep the first part of this uh, ep episode short because I want to get to the second part because me and him spoke about so many things. I asked him, you know, where does the media get their information regarding clubs being interested in players, clubs making an offer for a player, and um, you know. He did. He gave a great answer that I think you want to listen to. You know, where does the information come from? Is it the agents? Is it the clubs? Is it the players? Is it the players' entourage? It's his other people in the inner circle. Um, I mean, you know, how hard it is to be a journalist, how hard it is sometimes to verify the information. Uh, one of the things that I think fans, all of us that we don't understand is sometimes there might be news on Tuesday. But then Wednesday, that news changes, and sometimes fans get upset at the papers and say that they're writing lies when, in fact, the information changes. Um, perfect example is Nunu Menj, a reported offer for Nunu that City made, and then the next day, City, frustrated at all the news, said that they weren't going to be pursuing Nunu. And I think we all know that they will be eventually pursuing Nunu again. But the information changes daily and how tough that is to be a journalist when, when information changes the whole time. So, so proud to be talking to someone on the inside. So proud to be talking to someone who could really give his perspective uh, of what it's like to be a journalist, which is not an easy job. I know it's glamorous and we would all love it to make a living at it, but it does come with a lot of challenges and a lot of frustrations. Um, but at the same time, it is fun, of course, to still be in front of all this news and to be among the first people to know about it and uh, to report. So coming up next, the second part, I got a few things, quick things I want to say before we get to the interview um, will be my very long interview with David. We spoke about Benfica, how important it is to be in, in the Champions League and what happens if they don't what kind of problems are there going to be? Uh, João Mario, is he a good fit? Uh, sporting last year, no one expected anything from them. They didn't play in Europe, so they were mostly playing once a week. Um, a lot of their young players, which are now stars, nobody knew about last year. This year, everybody knows who they are and their strengths. How tough will it be to repeat? Uh, some of these players are going to be playing in big stadiums, club football, first division for the first time. Are they going to be able to handle it? We talked about Ruben Amarin. We talked about Porto and Pepe. You know, this uh, great signing, young signing from Brazil. How good is he going to be for Porto? Uh, I asked him his uh, thoughts on the Marco Grujic deal. You know, um, Liverpool announced it as a permanent deal. Porto announced it as a loan with an obligation to buy. Why two different sets of information? I'm, I'm always very curious about that. And I was able to hear the Portuguese perspective on it. And um, we, you know, usually when I do an interview, I think it's going to be 20, 25 minutes. It went on for close to an hour, and that's because the interview was that good and the conversation and information was that great. So I hope you enjoy it coming up in the second part of this episode. But before we get to it, just a few things like I always do. Upcoming calendar schedule for the week. Uh, this weekend, Tasa the Liga, 
The League Cup first preliminary round, 14 matches on the schedule. So we have real matches uh, this weekend to look forward to, in addition to, of course, some of the preseason matches we have this weekend with uh, Benfica and Porto playing uh, down in the Algarve. Um, Tuesday, very important day in Portugal, uh, not necessarily for matches, but for protocols. The Portuguese government and health authorities will make a final decision on whether or not fans will be allowed in the stadiums and what are the protocols. One naturally assumes that uh, you know fans have to be vaccinated. If they're not vaccinated, they have to show a negative test. Um, and obviously, if they've had COVID in the past six months, they have to show a note, doctor's note that they've recovered. We assume that that's going to be some of the protocols that will allow fans into the stadiums. But a lot of clubs and a lot of sods on Tuesday are going to be putting on the TV on their, you know, in their offices. They're going to be listening to the radio to hear the official confirmation of yes or no, will fans in the near future be allowed you know, to be able to come and watch uh, matches? And I spoke to David Novu about that. Um, and I think you'll, you know, about why haven't fans been allowed so far? And, you know, it's been allowed in other parts of society. And it was very interesting to get the uh, Portuguese uh, perspective on that. So that's next Tuesday. And then um, next Thursday, Santa Clara in great shape to advance. Um, you know, won three nil last week. Uh, now they just got to come home and protect the lead on a Thursday in Punta Delgada. But they look good to advance to the third preliminary round of this uh, new Europa League conference. Um, and then, of course, next weekend, second round of the Tasa de Liga preliminary. And then next Saturday, Tasa, the Super Tasa, the Super Cup, Braga versus Sporting. Braga looking to win two straight trophies after winning the domestic cup Tasa de Portugal back in uh, May. Uh, Sporting Verandes loves to say that uh, in the last few years, Sporting has won the most trophies. And here's another opportunity for uh, Sporting on Saturday to try to win another uh, trophy, the Super Cup. And obviously, it's going to be exciting to see the domestic champion against the domestic cup champion. And that'll all be taking place uh, next uh, Saturday. And uh, a few things for you, of course, the Liga this year starts uh, in about two weeks for when I'm recording this episode. Uh, Liga B-Win, don't forget, is its uh, new name. And I spoke to David as well about things with the uh, Liga as well. So uh, very excited to begin my next interview coming up here in the second part of the episode. Let's get going. And that is my interview with uh, David Novu of The Record. Enjoy, everybody. Take care. to the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast, and I'm very happy to have here as my guest a gentleman named David Novu. He is a journalist and executive editor with a big newspaper in Portugal, as I'm sure many of you have heard of, called The Record, of course. Uh, he also does some TV work with Order Record with CMTV, and he's done some work with Revista Sábado Saturday magazine, which I was uh, telling David uh, I do sometimes read that when my local Portuguese store has a copy of it. And uh, he's obviously worked, uh, he's going to talk a little bit about working Euro 2020. He's worked Euro 2016. He's worked the World Cup. So he's a very, very experienced person in the world of Portuguese football. Uh, David, thank you for coming on. Thank you very much. And thank you for, for the description. Uh, you put some pressure on me, but uh, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> let's do this. No, let me tell you, there's no pressure because you are, in fact, are doing it. So as I told you before, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was saying there's a lot of a uh, lot of immigrants, a lot of kids who may have been yes. born in another country that look at your, you know, your Twitter profile, your social media profile and say, wow, I like to I like to be doing that one day. So I have, uh, I have family in the, in the United States, so. Uh, for me, it's uh, also a pleasure to speak here. Uh, I think that, well, well, I think that a lot of Portuguese have family abroad in other countries. Sure. I, I also have family in the United States. Uh, I speak with them uh, often. Uh, so big, big pleasure to be here and uh, to speak with uh, the Portuguese and also for, uh, for those who are outside Portugal. And I, I know that they, they miss Portugal and it's a pleasure to be here and speaking about football. The, the, my my biggest passion, and I believe also your your biggest passion. Absolutely, um, I have a lot of followers: United States, Canada, England, South Africa, Australia. Obviously, this is an English language podcast, so yeah. I have a lot of a uh, lot of interest. So thank you so much. Um, 
Let me just start off. Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to talk Benfica. We're going to talk Porto Sporting fans in the stadiums. But I wanted to start talking about Benfica because um, and we're not going to be talking about the crisis of Benfica. I, if uh, you're listening to this episode, I recommend you listen to the previous episode where I talked about that. Um, but I did say going into this episode that eventually all the problems off the pitch were eventually going to not be discussed as much because now it's going to be really about the preseason matches. And especially this week with uh, Benfica finding out their Champions League opponent for the preliminary. And David, let me tell you my opinion, and I wanted to get your opinion, but let me tell you this. Um, I think, in my opinion, this month of August coming up for Sport Lisboa and Benfica is, my opinion, maybe one of the most important Augusts in their history because... First off, number one, if they qualify for the Champions League, their fans are going to be happy. And we obviously know that the fans haven't been happy. It's been a very long time. I think the last time fans were maybe very happy was after they beat Sporting 5 to nothing in the Super Cup. And then they started off the season and they were okay. But obviously we know that after that, things started to go a little bit downhill and even right before the pandemic, they were eliminated from the Europa, if you remember, from Shakhtar. So it's been rough. But if they qualify for the Champions League, the fans are going to be happy. Um, it means they'll be playing on, on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. They will not be playing Thursday night football. No player on Benfica wants to play Thursday night football. And obviously, we're talking about the uh, Europa. It means they make more money and they need more money. It means that JJ... Um, you, can, you could say that maybe he's going to make it a successful second time with Benfica because I think if they don't qualify for the Champions League, then I think people are going to start calling it a disastrous mistake. Um, I think if you're Rui Costa and you qualify for the Champions League, I think it makes your job easier to be elected You know, when he goes to elections at the end of the year. Um, and the bottom line is it means that Benfica could turn the page with a new future, if they qualify, it brings a lot of good things. But if they don't qualify for the Champions League, the fans are going to be even angrier. And we obviously thought they were already angry. I think they're going to be angrier. I don't think fans are going to want to play Thursday night football. No one is motivated for that, especially the players. They're going to lose a lot of money. Um, you know, like I said, JJ will be considered a major disappointment. Uh, I think this makes Rui Costa's job because... I said in my previous episode, a president in Portugal is only as good as the results. The basketball team, the handball team, track and field team, Kabizmu could win titles. But if the football team isn't winning, no one's going to be happy. And obviously, it means that it's the same old story with Benfica. Would you agree with me that qualifying for the Champions League coming up next month is, is they have to qualify for the Champions League. There could be no other alternative. Would you agree that they have to qualify for the Champions League? Well, uh, John, I agree with uh, everything you, you said. Um, it's it's crucial for, for Pefik, in my, my point of view, um, financially speaking, of course. Um, imagine the, the scenario if, if Bifica doesn't qualify for the uh, Champions League for the second time in a row. Um, huge, huge impact um, in the, um, the financial issues of the club. You may remember that Mefica spent a lot of money last season, yeah. more than 100 million euros, yeah. and that money is being spent. Uh, some players are being paid uh, this year, next year. You know how, how football is nowadays. They they, they start to pay uh, sometimes uh, a year after they, they sign the player. Um, and, um, for example, if, if, if Mefica uh, don't... Don't, don't don't qualify for the Champions League. Well, of course they have to sell players, but at the same time the market it's it's not easy to to sell players. For example, last year we figured sold Ruben um, for a big amount of money, but I think with the current squad it's difficult to find a player, almost impossible. I I think to find a player that only by himself can 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 be sold by. 50, 60 million euros. I think it's almost impossible also because Bifica last season was not that that good. And you, you know that when when the, the team does a good season, it's easier to sell players um, in the, the following transfer market. So um, it's crucial. 
it's crucial for Benfica to win that Champions League um, uh, next, next season. And of course, what you said, um, Benfica is uh, having a difficult time in terms of the, 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 the issue with the, with the president. Um, they are going to be, uh, they, have, they, they have to go to elections. I think it's the, the only way. Um, and also for Rui Costa, if they if he he decides to to <clears throat> to go as a candidate, as I believe he, he will do, one thing is to have a team the, the team of uh, in football because football is the, the, the thing that the fans care the most. Um, of course, um, one thing is to be uh, a candidate with the, the team in the Champions League. Uh, other thing is to be in Europa League. Um, and I think that that uh, detail, um, of course, will will have a huge role in the Benfica's future in terms of selling players, buying players, or other kind of players. Um, so it, it's really really important for for Benfica to um, to get through this uh, this uh, this qualifying phase. I truly believe that. Um, Benfica is stronger than, than than Spartak, but you remember what happened last year. Yeah, Benfica was uh, in theory stronger than Paok, and they lost. Um, so really, really important for for Benfica these two matches with um, with Spartak with uh, against uh, a Portuguese coach. Um, but let's see what what's going to happen. But um, if if uh, in the worst scenario, uh, well, I think that until the end of August, uh, Mifika has to sell um, several players, maybe to 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 get some balance in terms of um, financial issues. Yeah, you know what's amazing about Rui Vitoria um, um, is the fact that when Rui Vitoria was let go two and a half years ago, I remember it was a bad result in Portimonense. It was in uh, January, right around that time, there was also a rumor yeah. that he was going to go to Saudi Arabia. And this is while he was still manager of Benfica, because at that time, everybody was, you know, they were not happy. Everybody knew what the outcome was going to be, that he was going to be gone. But back then, Rui Vitoria was like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. His ideas are no good for this team. He's not a good fit. Now, all of a sudden, he's the manager of a Russia team, and everybody's worried that this is going to be deja vu. You know, last year, Krovinovic. Uh, Krovinovich, you know, he, um, he was very expensive. They rescinded the contract. He goes to Pac and he winds up scoring one of the winning goals to be Benfica. And now everybody thinks Rui Vitoria might do the same. But, you know, two and a half years ago, Rui Vitoria was like not very smart. Now all of a sudden, everybody's worried that he's too smart and that he might eliminate Benfica. Yeah, you know, yeah, I find sure. that to be, I just find that to be fascinating how, how a lot of Benfica fans right now are, uh, you know, very nervous. But yeah, I just think for me that this is a very, very important time in their history. And, um, you know, again, results change a lot of problems. You know, you win, it solves all your problems. You lose, it just creates uh, more problems. And let me ask you a question. I mean, João Mario, um, obviously a very controversial move. Um, I think Benfica doesn't have a problem. I think it could be an Inter Milan sporting problem later. But do you think João Mario is going to help this Benfica team? I think so. I think it has everything to 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 work and to be uh, successful. Uh, first of all, of course, uh, the quality of the player, excellent player, uh, player of the of the national team. Okay, uh, he 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 missed some some matches in the Portuguese national team in the last uh, last years, but I think it's still part of the group that uh, that Fernando Santos has to to call in some matches. Um, excellent player. Um, I think one of uh, the biggest advantage, advantage for Bific in this in this um, in this signing is that João Mario already worked with the Jesus in Sporting and made a good season with Jesus in Sporting. Uh, well, in fact, uh, João Mario said that um, that the conversations that he had with uh, with Jesus were decisive uh, to go now to 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 Benfica. Of course, a lot of well, it's not easy to, to when you change from uh, one rival to another, but um, it was uh, the decision of, of, of the player. Um, 
I'm 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 curious to see how how Benfica will manage this situation um, uh, now. Uh, of course, I believe with the the um, the profile that João Mario has, it's going to be uh, of course João Mario has, has to to be a starting lineup always. Um, but Benfica has several midfielders: uh, Julian Viral, uh, Tarap. Uh, uh, Florentino, Gabriel, Pizzi uh, can also play as number eight. So um, it's it's a it's a lot of a lot of a lot of players for two positions. For example, of course, with uh, the championship, with uh, the the European competitions, Bifica has to to uh, to to have several players with quality. Um, and Joe Mario, of course, one of them. I think he's he's the best signing of, of, of Benfica. Um, let's see what happens. But I believe that he's going to be one of the best one of the best players for Benfica this season. Um, he showed last year being one of the best players for Sporting. Um, I think that he can do it um, again in Benfica again. Um, Having Jarzouz as a coach, someone that um, that that likes João Mario, and especially that knows how João Mario plays and likes to play, um, I think this combination coach player, I think it's going to be uh, really important, and and I think that João Mario is going to do um, a really good season for for Benfica. Yeah, it was a surprising uh, move. Um... Obviously, always controversial. The 25th player to make the move yeah. uh, across town from you know everything that um, I've read. And one last thing about Benfica that I find very interesting when you talk about the last two and a half years. Um, I remember a time when Benfica was talking about creating a European team out of their talent from Seychelles. That they were going to go with their youth and that was how they were going to build a team to compete in Europe. And then they had the very bad season, and then JJ comes in, Jorge Jesus, and now they go in a totally different direction where now they're buying these players, and most of these players are, in a way, finished products. You know, they're not young. You know what you're going to get from them. And I think it's interesting for me, like players like Getson, you know, being discussed with going to Turkey. Uh, a player like Florentino. I remember Florentino, it might have even been on the cover of Record. You know, that was yeah. talking about a, a $100 million release clause or 50 million, something like that. And uh, it's amazing how Benfica has gone from the youth, trying to build on the youth and maybe once a year do a big sale, not necessarily like João Mario, but maybe a sale every year like Ruben Diaz, to now they feel like the solution is not in the Seychelles anymore. The solution is now to buy. And unfortunately, I think that's part of Benfica's problem is that um, they unfortunately don't have a philosophy anymore because if they win, they're happy. If they lose, they change everything. And I think that's been their problem. So we see what happens. Um, Going to move along to uh, Porto. And um, they, uh, they signed a very exciting player from Brazil. I've seen some highlights of him, and he seems to be very exciting. Um, well, what, what do you think? First of all, what are your expectations for Porto this year? What do you think about this player, Pep? Well, John, I'm gonna um, be honest with you. Also, saw some highlights. I think it's the first thing you do when uh, when uh, when a Portuguese club signs a, um, a player from a, from another country. I, um, I remember I spoke with um, a Brazilian journalist that covers uh, Grêmio. He's from Porto Alegre. And I remember I made an interview uh, to him just to ask him how does Pep uh, plays. Um, and, and I remember he said to me that he's really similar to Everton Sablinho, that Benfica also bought to, to Grêmio. Um, I think that he told me that um, Pepe was um, uh, the player the player that replaced Everton at, at Grêmio. And they, they, he said to me that they are really similar in terms of um, dribbling skills, the, the the speed, that Brazilian jinga, as they say, you know, that mm. technical ability they have to 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 well to be uh, skillful. Um, and, and I'm really curious to to see how 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 can he adapt to Portugal because I think that is the. the 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 biggest problem or the biggest aspect when you you when you sign a, a a player from Brazil in this in this case, 
Uh, for example, you saw with, with Everton that um, he started really well in Benfica. And then, I don't know, maybe some, uh, some, some problems with being in another country, I don't know, or in another type of football. Because as as you know, the, the Brazilian football is a little bit different of the of the mm, Portuguese yeah. football. There are things that are similar, but of course uh, there are things that are also different. Um, and we saw some games where Everton was was not that player that that we saw in the first matches. Um, but with Pepe, I think that it can happen the same. Of course, we need to see how he adapts. For being abroad for the first time in his uh, career, he's a young player. So, uh, but the things that I've heard about him, the things I saw about him, uh, shows that I think that we have uh, like a, a new Everton uh, Sublinia, that kind of player, and that kind of player uh, normally um, uh, is it's uh, a player that we like to see in Portugal, also a technical football. Um, I'm also curious to know how, how Porto will manage, for example, playing in the same system and uh, with Pepe playing uh, as a left winger. Uh, you, Porto also has uh, Luis Dias, excellent player, made a, a really good uh, Copa America. So uh, will Porto stick with both? Don't know. Maybe Luis Dias can, can leave the Porto. I think that there are some some news regarding uh, Roma for uh, for um, Luis Dias, but um, about about Pepe, I think a, a really good uh, good signing, and that type of signing that you see Portuguese clubs uh, doing in the, the the with the idea to uh, buy for uh, for a value um, for a some amount of money and then to sell them uh, sell them for well two three four times more. Um, it's not that easy to, to do it all the time, of course, um, because the players from Brazil are more expensive than before. Um, but I think that it's the kind of player that um, uh, can can arrive in Portugal, make a good uh, first season, second season, and then go abroad to another country and uh, with the profit from the, um, the Portuguese club. You know, let me ask you a question in your role of working for a big newspaper like the Record. I've always been very fascinated with how it works. Um, like there was a report that Roma was interested and in, supposedly their first offer was 25 million. Yeah. Um, you know, the next player I'm going to ask you about because I didn't pay is Marco uh, Grujic, the player that came from uh, Liverpool and, you know, he was on loan last year. Now he's back, apparently on loan, but he's also permanent. Now they're talking about 10 million. Eh, you know, maybe you don't want to share a secret about how it works in the newspaper, but <laughs> before the clubs announce it, you know, which obviously they have to announce with the, with the stock market, the CMVM. I mean, I can't imagine that uh, Porto or Benfica Sporting is going to record or a Jogo Ball and saying, oh, by the way, yeah, uh, Manchester United uh, made an offer of 25 million or City made an offer. Let me, let's be honest. Is it the agent that's giving the information a lot of times? I mean, I'm always fascinated where the information comes from. <laughs> let's be honest. It's a good question to ask, no? Like, no, no, no. It's, it's, it a, it's, it's a really good, uh, good uh, question to, to ask. Um, and my answer is, uh, well, it depends. It can be, of course, sometimes the agents, sometimes the club, uh, sometimes the entourage of a player that, but well, normally, the entourage uh, means the agent. Um, sometimes some some agents that are uh, not working in that deal, but they uh, they listen something about that, and then they they can give you the information just because they have a close relationship with you. Uh, sporting directors, uh, presidents, coaches. Well, in, with my experience, I, I had something, some cases where. Uh, let me i cannot i cannot reveal of course, of course <laughs> who gave me the information it's it, no but it's against right. our ethic of course but um i understand the, your uh, you, that you are curious about that but well imagine that you have a transfer you have three parts of of one transfer the selling club the buying club and the player okay 
so the information has, has to come from one of the parts or yeah. of course uh, the, the 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 perfect thing is to have the information confirmed by more than one source of course two sources three sources the biggest problem problem nowadays um well first you have a lot of information going on websites every day uh you need to check it you need to confirm if it's true or not um and of course well um, sometimes you have to be really really careful because um for example one agent uh can give you a tip just because he has interest that the news uh, goes public just because for example if if the the news goes out of a, a club want, uh, wanting a player maybe that the price of the player can be higher in the next day understand me so yeah. you have to be really careful with the sources with the type of information that you are uh, dealing with um but well a source can be can be anyone that that has access to the player or to the transfer or to the the, the process um but it's it's not it's not like how can I explain to, to people that are listening to us? It's not like we have always the same process, you know? You're not yeah. ask, you, don't, you don't ask always the same person or you don't always follow the same path of asking yeah. this one, that one. Yeah, it, it, well, it could come from... It depends. Right. Yeah, it comes from different sources. It's, it, yeah, of no, course, yeah. Right, right. And, and look, no one's complaining about it because at the end of the day, it feeds into the interest. It's good for the yeah, newspaper. But it's coverage. a hard job. Let me let me yeah, say it. Sure. It's a really hard job. Um, with the, the thing that 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 said, with the websites, you can see a, most of the time, or well, we spent a lot of our time just to check if one information is true or not. And well, sometimes it's it's false because we you have Twitter pages, uh, websites, blogs. We don't know. Uh, sometimes we don't know who is behind that page or that blog or that Twitter, yeah. And we don't know if the the, the information is, uh, well, is reliable. Um, and but but well, our work is to to check, to to confirm, to <clears throat> to confirm with uh, with the different sources, and then of course um, to provide the best information. The thing is, I think that people, and we are speaking about that, and I think it's important to 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 uh, speak about this particular uh, particular topic. Is that people tend to to think that um, uh, when, for example, we publish an, an, a new a news about a player, I think that people need to understand that one thing is a club uh, being interested in a player. Another thing is um, a, a club that is an analyzing or uh, watching a player. Another thing is a club to sign a player. And I think that people, when they, they when they see the headlines and they see, for example, Benfica um, follows, uh, well, imagine one player. And and if if the deal doesn't go through, people think that we are a liar. People think that we are uh, publishing news just for the interest of uh, one person or another. It's it's not like that. The the, the the Portuguese clubs and the biggest clubs in the world have a list of players for each uh, position, and they have well, they have they have uh, they have scouts all over the, all over the world. And they speak with several agents, so it's a process. You understand me? It's 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 not like we put the player in the in the our our headline, and it doesn't mean that he's going to sign, right. and it doesn't mean that we are lying. It means that, for example, the player is being uh, analyzed by uh, the, that club, and then then maybe the deal might happen, and um, it's not easy because. Uh, <laughs> When, yeah. when you when you when when things don't go as as we planned or as we published for for example you you can publish a news that the, the deal is almost done and the next day the deal uh, falls down and it's not your fault and you're not a, a liar because of that but things change and quickly uh, so um, 
difficult yeah. job, but a really uh, challenging job to do it every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. One of the things that I do on this uh, podcast is I'm always very, uh, very strong to say, like we're doing this interview on a Wednesday night, me and you. Chances are, if you hear this podcast episode on a Sunday, some of the information may change. And I do that because I think that's the thing about what you and all the newspapers do is, you know, you guys are reporting what's the story that day. If somebody yeah. chooses to read that a week later and still take it as fact, I think it's their problem because they should realize that this information is a week old and things change. And to me, if you're a fan of football, you should know that things are going to change every day. Um, sometimes the information is going to happen and sometimes the information is not going to happen. But I think that football, soccer is so popular. But, but, in but Europe, of course, you know? let, let me just say one thing, of course, just just to clarify. It's important to say everything. Of course, we, we make mistakes. Of course, we sometimes uh, may uh, have a lead and things doesn't go as we uh, thought the information was that solid and think, you understand me? Of course, we make mistakes, um, but just, just people to understand that it's not, uh, it's not science, it's not maths, it's not, <laughs> well, yeah. it's uh, a little bit tricky but it's our job to, to, to verify and to give them the best information possible and uh, reliable to, to our audience. Yeah, you know, another thing I wanted to say on this is, um, you know, Portugal is known for its wines. Portugal is known for its beaches. Portugal is known for cork, you know, exporting yeah. cork. The amount of information that you guys produce and that is reported by the rest of Europe I say this as a compliment that if you guys were not reporting what you did, the other newspapers in Europe wouldn't know what to write about because there is so much news that starts in Portugal on the transfer market that other newspapers pick up. Sometimes they don't even give the Portuguese newspapers any credit that um, I always like to joke and say, yeah, Portugal is good with the wines. It's good with the cork. It's good with the tourism. But Portugal is also very good with the information. And, and if it wasn't for all the information that's in newspaper, I don't know what the English newspaper, I mean, the information last year with Bruno Fernandez. I mean, I don't know what those newspapers would have written about if they weren't reading you guys. True, and 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 and, and regarding Bruno, you you may remember that things were not um, easy in terms first Tottenham, some some news regarding Tottenham, then Man United, yeah, uh, in the summer, then in the winter, and then the the deal went um, went ahead only in the the last days i think of the of the um, of the winter market so um of course a lot of information a lot of things back and forth with between clubs agents um when the deal it's not if in when the deal itself it's not easy to 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 fulfill of course informations may may Maybe one day is one kind of information. The next day, the player can be um, may not leave. The the following day, they are he's close to to, to leaving. So, uh, <laughs> like I said, it's not uh, something always the same. It's not easy to do, and things change really quickly. So we have to adapt. We have to we have we have to, in, to inform, of course. Um, and of course, when 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 you give the, the right information, it's it's good to be quoted uh, abroad. It's good to to, to public to publish um, exclusives, of course. But I think more than publish first than the others. I think it's really important to publish better than the others, yeah. and to verify your information, uh, not to be first, but to be better. Yeah. And I'll tell you something else sometimes, you know, even sometimes the teams don't make information easy. You know, this player Grujic no. that came from Liverpool to Porto, you know, Liverpool on their Twitter account said he's moving permanently to Porto. But then if you read the Porto information, yes. he was going on loan and then next year it becomes an obligation to buy. And I always yeah. sit there, I'm like, wait a minute, he's on loan and then they have to buy him next year. So it sounds like yeah. they have to buy him. Why not say that right now? Yeah. So sometimes the clubs, I, I'd never understand those things. I think I think Porto might be smart that they're kicking the, um, as we say, the can down the road that they'll pay for yeah. the next year instead of this year. But I also know sometimes- It's just interpretation, you know, because the, the thing is almost the same. Uh, Gruic is going to sign for Porto, for Porto 
uh, next season. This one is on loan, but with the obligation to buy, I think that uh, Liverpool well realize that well if there is an obligation to buy, let's let's say that he is going to live permanently. So I think it's the interpretation of, of the words. Of course, it's a, it's a little bit strange to have different clubs, uh, two clubs uh, publishing different stories about the same deal, <laughs> but um, just interpretation, but because the, maybe the first season is on loan and then uh, the second season uh, permanently. Um, but it's it's a strange, yeah. It's a little bit strange when um, when you have things like that. Yeah, I just always find that um, it's it's obviously a, a football soccer thing. You don't see anything like that with uh, you don't see anything like that with the NBA or the NFL. You don't hear about those special deals with sponsors and Formula One. You know, they're just it's definitely a um, a football soccer thing. Um, I want to switch over to sporting. Um, you know, it was an incredible last year for sporting. Um, they, um, you know, great year. They won the title first time in 19 years. They have all these young crop of players out of the future. Um, Nuno Mange is the discussion right now. He's considered to be the, the crown jewel of sporting's players that are going to make them a lot of money. Uh, supposedly the first offer by City to test the waters was $25 million. Um, do you honestly think in your opinion, um, you know, he is a young player. Um, he does have a little bit of a history of getting hurt. He's had already a few injuries. Um, I heard a podcast today. I think there was a, a gentleman on it from the record too, Duncan Castles yes. that said that Nuno Menz has never played in front of a big crowd, you know, in his, I think maybe, I guess maybe, I think maybe he played against Israel. He came on as a sub or against Spain. I don't remember, but that when it comes to club football, he's never played in front of like a big stadium. Um, yeah, true. Yeah. Do you, is he worth, do you think, you think Sporting really has a chance of getting, let's say $40 million for him? Well, um, yes. Uh, in my opinion, of course, uh, in terms of injuries, it's it's really difficult to tell what, what's going to happen, of course. Um, but with, with Nunu being fit, I think that he's going to be a reference in the position of left back in the next in the next well seven eight nine years for example i think he's going to be uh, one of the best left backs in the world it's my opinion of course don't know what's going to happen but and if another thing is it's not easy to find young left backs nowadays in football um well first of all it's not easy to find left backs because uh, left-footed players are uh, yeah. are r- more rare than than those who play with the right foot. Right. Um, a lot of the, well, the best fullbacks, left the left backs are of course in the best teams. Uh, but for example, if speaking about Manchester City, because you mentioned the, the that offer of of City, imagine a club like City spending. Uh, 40 million dollars like you said 15 million euros in a player that can be um the reference of the position for five six years i think it's it's worth the money you understand me yeah uh, i think it's best to spend that money in one player that of course has a lot of talent and has all the um the profile to be the best then spending, for example, 20 millions in one player and then more 20 or 25 in another because the first one was not the, the best one for the team. Good players cost good money, it's true. Um, of course, I understand when people say, well, but he's only 19 years old. Uh, he made the one full season with Sporting. Uh, he was in the European Championship and he didn't play a single match. Of course, everything needs to be uh, uh, balanced when when you think in a transfer like this. But I, I, I truly believe that he can be sold by that amount. Maybe not this season, maybe next season. Um, and like I said, uh, of course, we can say that for example, City can offer, for for example, 
45 and kicking they can put a player in the in the deal so that the the, the price can go down a little bit um i'm going to be honest with you um if i was uh, a president of of a club like manchester city and having that the money that they have i will spend that money in the mensch uh, this season next season um I think I, I truly believe that he 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 he's worth it. Uh, but of course, I think that the situation is, um, of course, City has the money but doesn't want to spend that much. Sporting plays the role of the selling club, and knows that they are dealing with uh, one of the richest uh, mm-hmm. clubs in the world. And when when we are uh, you are dealing with City, of course, you want to 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 ask for the, for the, the 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 most money you 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 can because they have the money <laughs> so um of course uh, let's see what happens maybe um, i can i can give you this information tomorrow in our newspaper i love it going, yes go ahead uh, we are going to publish um um uh, more about this story i cannot reveal everything but you are going to see it tomorrow and I think it's going to be that kind of deal that we can go back and forth, maybe more here than one player in a deal, then maybe two players in a deal. And don't forget that Sporting has Pedro Porro uh, on loan uh, from City. And maybe, who knows, uh, City can can play with that. Uh, in this deal with Nunmensch, and and uh, of course we are speaking about City, but I truly believe that other big European clubs can also be chasing uh, Nunmensch. Uh, there were some reports about uh, Manchester United. I, I think that he's going to be one of the biggest transfers of Sporting, and one of the biggest transfers of of the Portuguese football. 40, 50, I don't know, but huge transfer ahead of, of Nunu, um, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I have with me my guest here, David Novu. He is a journalist and executive editor with The Record. David, thank you so much for your time. I had a few more questions that I wanted to ask you quickly, if I could. Yeah, of uh, course. I know, okay. you're getting, I know you're getting ready, and uh, you're obviously also doing homework after this interview, getting ready for the uh, TV show. Um, yes. I want to just ask you very quickly a, a few questions. Number one, last year, one of the advantages that sporting had, and everybody has a different opinion about this, but last year, sporting was also playing mostly once a week. They didn't qualify for Europa. They had this very young team that didn't have to worry about playing in the Dragong in front of a big crowd in the Luge. Some people say that last year was the perfect situation for sporting because they had more time to train the players. The players were more comfortable in the stadiums with the fact that there wasn't a lot of pressure. Now you fast forward it to this year, totally different situation. Now they're going to be playing at least twice a week, playing in the Champions League. You know, it's not going to be Dasa the Liga. They're going to be playing big clubs in Europe. And even the clubs that are even in the second, third or fourth pot are still all very good teams, especially if they get like a Sparta Prague, if they get like a Mar, you know, any of these teams, you know, that may not necessarily be from a power five uh, country. Um, because of the fact this year, it's a different environment. And, and we'll talk about this next about fans in the stadiums. Now sporting is going to be tested, really tested with fans, with playing European football, and they're not a secret anymore. Now everybody knows about the players. Everybody knows that Ruben Amarin is a very good manager. You think this year it's going to be really hard to repeat? Do you think they have a chance to repeat? Um, or do you think they still have some, trip, as we say, tricks up their sleeve that could help them win another title? Well, John, I, I agree with you when, when you say that Sporting benefit from not playing European matches last season. I think it's it's uh, it's obvious, of course, uh, less games than, than the rivals, and that made a difference. In terms of, of not having fans in the stadium, I'm not sure, not so sure about that, to be honest, um, because I believe that with the team winning matches, that the, the atmosphere in, in the stadium 
will be a good atmosphere pushing for the team. Of course, in those matches when they were drawing and they, they managed to score in the last minute, for example, with the goals of Kovates, of course, in that matches, maybe some atmosphere that may be a little bit negative for the team. But in general, I don't think um, that um, the fact that there was no, no fans in the, in the stadium, um, I, I don't know if it, it was the main difference. Of, I, I truly believe that the fact that they didn't play uh, Europa League uh, made a difference in terms of, uh, of resting players and prepare the matches with more time than the others. Regarding this season, of course, like you said, one thing is to play Tasa da Liga, another thing is to play Champions League. But at the same time, I think that the, I think that the squad must be really motivated to, to, to play Champions League. I think that Sporting is, is doing um, doing good signings in the, in the markets uh, with Ricardo Jogai, for example, Ruben Vinagre. Uh, for example, in my opinion, if Nuno Mendes uh, doesn't leave, I think that Sporting is going to have the best fullbacks in the championship with Porro, Ricardo Jogai, Nuno Mendes and Ruben Vinagre, these four. Um, uh, next one is going to be uh, Manuel Ugarte from, from Alicão, also a good player. And I think it's the, of course, it will depend if Sporting manage to, to keep, for example, Palinha, one of the best players of the team last season. And, and regarding Champions League, of course, we know that Sporting has a lot of young players, true. But at the same time, you have Ada, you have Coates, you have uh, Palinha, uh, you have Paulinho, players that have more experience. And I think this this mixture, this balance between young players and players with more experience uh, was the secret for was a secret for for Sporting um, last season. I'm not saying that it's going to be the same thing this season because, like you said. Um, the other teams already know how Sporting plays, but I think that I think that Sporting is going to do a really good season. Of course, with that um, thing with the Champions League, more responsibility, of course, but of course more money, uh, more matches, uh, of course more recognition in Europe, and. Um, Let's see. Let's see what happens. But um, but I think I think that Sporting is, is going going the the right path, you know. Um, and and of course, regarding the Champions League, like you said, I think it's it's a dream for 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 every player. And when you see players like Mendes, uh, also Pot, also Tiago uh, Tomas, uh, players that never played in the Champions League, I think it's it's. You may be, they, they are young, it's true, but come on. <laughs> when right. you have the chance to play Champions League, I think it's the, the highest of, of your career. And, uh, and I believe that you want to play those matches, you want to win those matches. Um, of course, I think it's sport, sporting is going to, well, because in the last years in Portugal, uh, people tend to see Benfica and Porto, of course, as the favorites because they won more championships. But now I think that they are, um, Sporting is a little bit ahead, um, even though the fact that the rivals already know how they play, but I think that Sporting is an advantage um, because they are the champions. They kept all the players, well, except uh, João Mario, and, and they are buying uh, good players and improving the squad. So in theory, I think that they are a little bit ahead of the others. Okay, excellent. Uh, last topic I wanted to talk to you about is uh, fans at stadiums. Uh, we're recording this, like I said, so everybody has a, the idea of when we're discussing things and information. We're recording this on a uh, Wednesday, uh, the 21st of July. And today I know the regional government of Meveda announced that the uh, the two uh, first-round preliminary matches in Meveda, Valverde, uh, Meritimo, and Nacional, are going to have fans in the stands up to about 50%. And I know next Tuesday, the Portuguese government, and um, I hope I'm saying this right, PharmaMed, um, are going to have a big meeting next Tuesday to discuss uh, protocols, uh, because the Liga, I think about 
10 days ago said that fans would be coming back to stadiums, that uh, it would be um, with uh, vaccination. You have to show vaccination proof. You have to show a negative test and you'll be fine. And then somebody in the government said, whoa, hold on a minute. It still has to be approved by, you know, the uh, the government. And uh, am I saying that right? Pharmamed? I think I may. Infarmed. Infarmed. I think you're referring. Infarmed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like the uh, Portuguese, what we call the FDA. But um, uh, let me just say, one of the things that confuses me about, uh, you know, and I know you were just at Euro and you saw Hungary, how many fans were allowed in Hungary. Yeah. And you look at other parts of Europe and, you know, 15,000, 10,000. But Portugal has had no fans. I mean, they did have, I think, about 1,000 and then another match, 1,500 back in October for the Nations League matches. I think it was Sweden and then the match against France. And I know the Azur, Santa Clara, had a match where they had around 800 fans. Yes, yes. Um, But generally speaking, Portugal, for some reason, you know, they've allowed concerts. They are opening up the economy with regards to restaurants and hotels and having to show tests. Uh, I have spoken on this podcast. Pinto da Costa has probably been the only president. Maybe Antonio Salvador Braga has spoken about it a little bit too. That has been talked about this topic the most. I don't understand why Benfica and Sporting have been very quiet about it. At least quiet compared to Pinto da Costa, which has been making a lot of complaints. You know, he even... Like when we were communicating, I was saying that Pinto de Costa made what I think is, obviously we know the guy knows how to say a lot of funny things. He's He knows what to say in front of the press, as you know, to yes. his credit. And obviously when you've been president as long as he has, you know that if you say what we call quips, what we call these uh, good sayings, that they're going to make attention in the press. But, you know, he's like, you know, you can go see a concert and you can't go see a football match with 5,000 people in a stadium of 60,000 people. And he even joked and he said, Maybe we need to bring a band, a conjunto, a concert, and play it outside the stadium so that they let fans inside the stadium. Um, I mean, I, I realize you may not have the answer. Maybe you could give me an opinion if you're comfortable. But it's what is it about Portugal that they don't allow fans at matches? And we're not talking about 50,000 fans. We're talking maybe even a few thousand. But they allow all their cultural activities to have fans. I mean, has the press figured out yet what the thinking is behind that reason? No, no not really. Uh, because um, it's hard to understand why you allow some things and why why you don't allow other things. Um, I'm that kind of guy that usually um, likes to respect, of course, the authorities. And of course, they know what they are doing regarding COVID and all the restrictions. Um, but of course, I understand why people ask the question, if you have a stadium with 60,000, why you cannot have at least half of the, of the, the capacity, for example, or 30% like, like they were um, planning. Um, like you said, I was at the, the Euro 2020 last month. Um, First of all, it was, of course, a really good experience to have um, fans in the stadium. In, in Hungary, for example, it was a terrific atmosphere in the, the match against Portugal. One of the best atmospheres that uh, I, uh, I I saw in the, the football match in my life. It was really, maybe I was missing that, but it was really, really, really good. Um, but it's 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 a tricky one it's a tricky topic um because of course in one side you want to to respect authorities and to to see that of of course everyone wants to to see fans in the stands but let's respect those that are um, dealing with public um, uh, issues of course you have to see the the, the number of of uh, covid cases you have to see the the, um, the, the process of vaccinating people but for example in the euro um, and there were a lot of restrictions pcr tests showing uh, show them uh, before the matches uh, face masks um, distance between fans but when you enter the stadium uh, well there was n- nothing like that uh, people were close to each other. People were not using masks. Okay, 
I don't know if, as far as I know, there was no reports of COVID spreading because of the matches of, of the Euro. But bottom line is it's hard to, to deal with this with the, with the subject. I think that the, the authorities are being careful, maybe, and I'm saying maybe because I don't have the information, it's just my opinion, maybe. Um, maybe they have they are afraid that allowing fans in the stands might in, increase the the number of um, positive cases of covid i don't know even without the restrictions even with the pcr tests even with the vaccination um but at the same time at the same time it's it's hard to understand when of course we you see uh, concerts we you see other other shows um, with uh, with with fans, you you don't see the the football, knowing that fans are of course important for for the, all, all teams in terms of supporting the team, but of course in terms of financial, with the tickets and all the merchandising and all the things related to that, of course, the clubs are 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 um, are expecting to have of fans also because of that. But not easy, not easy. And, and um, let's see what happens uh, with the decision next week uh, regarding the, um, the matches. Um, I'm really, I'm also curious to, to see what is going to happen because uh, they said one thing, then they say, well, we don't know. And <laughs> the final answer, it's going to be yes or no. Uh, and And... And let's see, let's see. It's it's a tricky, tricky uh, topic. Of course, um, we are dealing with a ser serious uh, subject. We are dealing with uh, human life. You are we are dealing with uh, with uh, something that, well, it's, well, it, with I don't have any words for to describe what happened to us all over the world with with COVID. Mm. Um, of course, there are things that are really more important than football we know that but everyone tries to 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 defend their activity and football clubs of course try to have fans in the stands because they know they need the fans to support the team and also to have to to receive money of the tickets of the tickets and other things so let's see what happens in the, the next week yeah, so that'll be next uh, Tuesday, a big decision yes, coming. I'm, think, I'm, pre yeah. I'm predicting that they will allow fans back, limited number. You have to be, you have to show vaccination proof. You have to show if you're negative, if you don't have vaccination. And I think that would be good. And I say that also because I have a lot of people that DM me and always ask, you know, I'm going to Portugal. Well, I have a chance to go see a football match. And I always say to them, I, I don't know the answer to that right now. Nobody um, knows. Yeah, no, but and obviously, um, I guess with the exception of these two matches uh, that are taking place in Madeira, all the matches this weekend, uh, real football this weekend in terms of the uh, the preliminary first preliminary round of the Tasa de Liga, and then of course uh, the following weekend we'll have the second preliminary round as well as the um, am I right the Super Cup? Yeah, the Super Cup is already yep. next week, and I'd be very curious to see what they will uh, will do with fans. Um, David, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a very busy person. Again, I'm very <laughs> jealous of you and your job. Great job. No, thank uh, you, thank you, thank you for for uh, for having me for the invitation. It was a, a pleasure to be here. Like I said, speaking to a, a Portuguese um, that is abroad, speaking to those who are in the the U.S. Um, and of course, always a pleasure to speak about football, Portuguese football. So uh, thank you. For, for having me. It's it's my pleasure. Yeah, and here your Twitter account is David N O V O one. Yeah. Your number one. It. <laughs> um, it was a, the only one available with the name. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. it. Give him a, a follow. And again, he's with the record. Yeah, I pre um, appreciate that, of course. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I see your name sometimes in the articles. And obviously, you've also been doing other uh, podcasts. So if you go on your timeline, you know, I yes. just did an interview with uh, Roma Press. So you're you're very yes. actively involved. And, and like I said, I think what's exciting and one of the reasons why I'm glad I have you here is you are like in the front of information. You know already what's going to be coming out in the newspaper tomorrow. <laughs> and I think... Uh, true, true. Yeah, That's although, why I told you about Nunmensch and City. 
Yes, wait so we're going to be reading about that tomorrow. Wait, wait for tomorrow. Well, tomorrow uh, here, uh, a few hours uh, there uh, in the US. Uh, in a few hours, we, we can have some new details about uh, Nuno Mensch and Manchester City. My colleagues that work directly with, with Sporting managed to get some more information. So uh, check it out in the next hours. Yes, yes. So again, uh, follow him on uh, Twitter, David, N-O-V-O, one he, again, he is with the Record. He also does the uh, TV show out of the Record on CMTV, uh, which I know is a very big channel in Portugal. Always gets yes. a lot of ratings, even though I know yes. some people yes, think true. sometimes it's uh, very tabloidy. But I, you know, I know a lot of my every time I go to my cousin's house in Portugal, he always <laughs> complains. But you get what channel he has on at night. He's got Paulo Futre and all the guys, you know, watching the, uh, the TV show. Everyone complains, life. but everyone watches. It's yeah. it's like that. So. Yeah, it's like they complain about the Sun newspapers in England, and yet they have some of the highest uh, readership That's in uh, Europe because people want to read. And and I always say sometimes, you know, it's right. Sometimes, you know, they say a broken clock is right twice a day. Sometimes they uh, <laughs> they uh, they do get the uh, the story right. But uh, you know, thank you so much. I'll hopefully, maybe I could have you on again in the uh, later future. Um, of uh, this is obviously a very exciting time. You know, we're going to have uh, real football matches coming up. Hopefully we have a positive answer with the fans. We're going to have the Liga starting normally right around the time that it always starts, the second week of August. Hopefully, because we also have to think as Portuguese, we will have hopefully three teams in the Champions League because, as I said last week, I know Porto and Sporting fans don't want to see Benfica successful. But I also think that if you're a Porto and Sporting fan, you want to see Benfica in the Champions League because it's a lot harder to play in the Champions League than it is in Europa and you don't want your your uh, enemy to have uh, you know to have an easier time, you know, as opposed to you guys playing big clubs. So I always say to people, we hope keep our fingers crossed that we'll have uh, three teams in the Champions League. Folks, again, thank you for listening to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Again, you can listen to this across all the platforms: iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Tune in. Uh, you can also catch the audio version of this on uh, YouTube and uh, check out YouTube. There's uh, also a video up there about Euro 2020 with uh, photos and videos. And that is just some of the, the stuff that's yet to come these next few months. And uh, next week when I talk to you, uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, essentially the Super Cup. We're gonna be talking about uh, the second round of the Tasa the Liga preliminary and uh, hopefully better news uh, for uh, Benfica and uh, hopefully they'll be in a better shape as we begin a very important month of August. Thanks everyone for listening. As I always end every podcast, please take care of your family, stay safe, and I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, everybody.